Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Richard Dean Anderson from MacGyver and Stargate SG-1. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We'll be right back after this word. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts... Scott, Miles, and Dan. Your table is ready. Live long and prosper. This is the captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And this summer, we had the distinct pleasure of interviewing who, Miles? Uh, Mr. MacGyver, uh, General you know, O'Neill himself, uh, RDA to some, Richard D. Anderson to, to others, but uh, a really cool guy. Yeah, so you and Al managed managed to land this interview. And we've told the story, but just to link it with the interview, let's talk about how this interview ended up going down. We were not really sure if we would get this interview. In fact, we were probably thinking we probably wouldn't. I would venture to say the only other actor we've interviewed, maybe that magnitude, might be Edward James Olmos. Right. Yeah, of that caliber and of that notoriety. We've interviewed a lot of actors over the years. It'd be interesting to go back and count because it's been hundreds mm-hmm. of interviews that we've done with actors over the year. But Richie Anderson is maybe one of the bigger ones that we sat down and we interviewed. Right. And mm-hmm. um, we went into shortly with really remote expectations. Mm-hmm. And um, we chatted with Kent. I mean, it was a three-day event, shortly, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at Hump Valley. And, you know... First day, we chatted with Ken and said, well, I tell you what, after photo ops, meet me down in the lobby and I'll introduce you. I'll go make some introductions. Mm-hmm. Well, so photo ops came and went and um, we we were in different panels, different sessions, and I was waiting for Ken, right? Ken's a very busy woman. Um, but we were waiting. I waited for about two two hours, you know, just kind of sitting watching people and I would pop in and out of panels and stuff, but... Really, I was just kind of in the lobby waiting, and I ended up connecting with our good friend Mike Schilling, which if you listen to the show, you, of course, know that Mike Schilling is just the man when it comes to short leave. Right. Um, he is the man. And we got to talk, and he said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm kind of waiting for Ket. Ket was supposed to be uh, coming down here on the floor and was supposed to introduce us to Richard Dean Anderson. And I just said, and we just haven't been able to connect. And I know she's a busy woman and all, right? It wasn't like I was upset. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, you know, I have Ket's phone number. So he picks up the phone and he calls Ket. And and then Ket says, well, tell him to, why don't you take him to the bottom of the escalator and I will meet them there. I have to deal with some sort of crisis. I don't even know what the crisis was and that's not important. But so we get there and here she is, here's Ket coming down the escalator, right? She goes, I'll be with you in one second. She goes back, does something, comes out and ha- and Schilling hands us off to Ket. Now Ket is, for those of you that haven't paid attention to anything else we've done with Shore Leave, Ket is the woman that makes Shore Leave run. Really, I'm convinced of it. 
Especially when it comes to you know working with the, yes. the celebrity guests yes. and everything. Yeah, yeah. guests especially. That's a very important job. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, surely probably wouldn't be surely without having the guests. So she's pretty up there, mm-hmm. and so she takes us and leads us. And there's this huge line waiting for Richard Dean Anderson, right? And she leads us up to where we're like two feet away from RDA, right? Right. Where he's there signing, right, with his little "I will not sign pocket knives" or duct tape sign that's going on there, <laughs> right? And his handler, what I believe Paul Brown, comes over and said, and "We just kind of introduced, really nice guy." Mm-hmm. And and we were just, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we'll be, we'll do this." And right away, I was just like, "Yeah, we'll do it." Um, what do you think? I'm thinking like 15 minutes. Yeah, we'll give you 15, 20 minutes. We won't be real religious with it. Mm-hmm. And um, and that was it. We were set. Right. Now, and then I left because I was sick. Yeah, you <laughs> poor guy. I, I was sick. But this is where you need to pick up, Miles, because the story continues the next day. Tell us about it. Well, our interview was, a 10, was supposed to be a 10, 15 I think the next it was day. 10. Maybe it was 10. I, I got there at 9.30. And uh, it, it, so did M. And uh, um, not sure if if uh if rda overslept or whatever it's okay uh he was a little he was a bit late um and um and but he so 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 he he makes it there and i think i think uh, his handlers went went to try to either short he said he goes no they've been waiting for me i'm gonna give him an interview and he, he nice guy i mean just and, and funny he cracked jokes with us and uh um First, he asked, um, you know, what, what, what is a podcast? I've never, you know, I've never done a podcast before. And we, we well, and um, I wasn't thinking about what I was saying at the time. And I said, well, I'm, I'm pleased with your first. And uh, I'm like, that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and good thing M was there. There was a girl with me. And, uh, but he, he looked at me funny and then he just kind of blew it off. And then, uh, and, 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 and said, well, it, it's like a radio, internet, internet radio show. And he said, oh, it's not video, is it? He was, he was perspiring. It was, you know, this was August and it was, you know, warm, high, and, warm and humid. And, and, um, and he said, Oh no, no, it's, it, it's, it's strictly, it's strictly audio. And he said, Oh, okay. I said, I, and so we, we, we started and, uh, we had, we had a very we had a great interview. It was just under 20 minutes, but his line started getting bigger and I wanted to stay in his handlers and assistants, good graces. And so, you know, there are other questions I would like to have asked them, but we kind of, um, so we didn't ask him everything. We didn't ask him everything, but I, I asked what I thought was important and gave him a chance to promote um, his charity, the charity that, that, that he lends his name and supports also. But he he, he was very, you know he he was he was he was just totally cool. He was he want, he 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 said he was going to give us some time. He gave us he gave us almost twenty minutes of his time. We got a nice picture with him, um, and uh, wow, we got to talk to Richard Dean Anderson, hang out with him for Mr. MacGyver himself. Uh, you know, Colonel O'Neill. I mean, uh, um, so it was it, it was fantastic. Uh, Anne was a little like a schoolgirl, and and uh rda had just say hey i'm just a human being and she goes yeah you're yeah you're a human being you're you're freaking macgyver you know <laughs> as as m as you know and being m would say and he he was cool with it he was you know <laughs> yeah, but we, awesome. we, we didn't get all fanboy fangirl and that was the closest thing we had to it but uh he was cool and i think he had a good time with the interview and um you know um man i'm just i'm, I'm happy we got to do it it was yeah it was a lot of fun yeah well, and it's our pleasure tonight here at the Sci-Fi Diner, of course, to share with you the conversation that Miles and M had at Shore Leave 36. If you've never been to a Shore Leave and you are East Coast, please take some time. They bring in some fabulous guests year after year. And Richard Dean Anderson is one among the many guests that they had 
and that we are sharing here on the Sci-Fi Diner with you folks. So thank you so much for uh, tuning in. This will be it for us, and we're gonna, just going to share the interview and then wrap up. And uh, we just appreciate you joining us, and we hope you enjoy hey. this interview. Hope you enjoy. Wow, what the hell are you doing here? Nice to see you, too. No, 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 sorry. I just wasn't expecting to see you. Ah, well, I was in the neighborhood. And I've got a little surprise for Mitchell. Oh, yeah, he loved the last one. The, uh, in fact, he didn't tell him that we were all moving on to different positions. Yeah. Sorry, Miss Dedalus. No, you're not. You're right, I'm not. Listen, uh, I just had a briefing with Landry about your stuff. Yeah. Sounds like it could be a problem. Well, been up against some pretty bad guys before. Yeah, not so pretty. Overdressed, yes. There's some tough situations. That we always won. Yeah, but didn't you feel that was because we had someone looking out for us? I would say this to anyone else, but for the first time, I'm scared. I'm hungry. Me too. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Shoreleaf 36, and we're hanging out with a man who needs no introduction, but certainly deserves one. He's done so much, but we know him best as the star of the very popular series MacGyver, and where sci-fi fans know and love him best playing Colonel and later General Jack O'Neill, and that's O'Neill with two L's, Mr. Richard Dean Anderson. Mr. Anderson, welcome, and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Okay, now do that without the script. Let me hear you say the introduction. <laughs> Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks. I've never done. This is my first podcast. Oh. I, sh I should warn you. Well, we're we're, we're honored that we're we're your, we're your first. Good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nervous. Oh, don't be. Don't be. Okay. Oh. Just relax. I'm more nervous than you are. Yeah. We're more. What four? No. That's <laughs> Stop. But I'm also sweating and just out of the shower, and I'm a human being. <laughs> Who is a human being? That's true. That's true. Um, so, <laughs> I'm just gonna fire a question at you. Um, can we get back to the beginning of Stargate SG-1? Can we? Can you please tell us how you got the role of uh, Jack O'Neill? Sure. Uh, well, I refer to it as the easiest audition I've ever had because I worked with a uh, an executive at. Yeah, at Paramount doing MacGyver, and then I did you know after MacGyver was over, I did some little movies of the week and things like that. But mostly, I was riding my motorcycle around and just um, I don't know misbehaving at the beach, whatever. Um, but John Sime, uh, John Symes was a was the executive at, who had changed jobs and gone over to MGM where uh, the rights for the movie Stargate were held and they had and um, he just called and said listen I, I'm going to send you this movie um, Stargate I hadn't seen the movie and so I'm going to send it to you and I want you to do the role for a series so that's like my easiest audition ever but um, so I did. I just take a, took a look at the movie, and I saw the greatest potential for 
a continuing series, a credible continuing series, pretty much based on um, the, the Stargate itself. Mm-hmm. I think that's the greatest living um, screen prop that uh, has ever, ever been created to uh, sustain a, um, a series because there, we were only going to be limited by our imaginations and we had great writers and producers who really I mean we just tapped into the potential you go through that gate and you can do anything you want um, I don't know how I mean like future stuff um, past uh, legendary myths and you know we weren't limited and um, so I saw the potential in that and signed on immediately. I love the show because, like you said, I mean, it took things from the future and past, but mixed our modern-day contemporary world with, with, with that and just told fantastic yeah. tales. Well, it was, um, I kind of like the fact that it was set in current day, you know, on Earth during the whatever years they were. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, we it didn't we didn't stretch that part of it was very credible you sure. know, and despite what some people may think uh, the character of Jack O'Neill was given the okay and the thumbs up by General um, Jumper from uh, the Joint Chiefs who came out for a visit from the Air Force and um, he, I asked him if he had uh, colonels that behaved as I was in the creation of Jack O'Neill. Before I could finish the, the sentiment or the question, he's, he's interrupted me and said, yes and worse. You're doing a great <laughs> job. Keep it up. So uh, created a really nice relationship with him. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's a lot of physicality in the role of Jack O'Neill. Was there anything in the script that called for that might have taken you aback on what they were asking you to do? I mean, I just remember there's some things I just, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would have been able to do, but I just, some of the things that they made, they made you do, I just like, wow. Can you remember anything that? Well, Star, yeah, Stargate Atlantis, um, there's a two-parter part, where you and, and Woolsey were fending off the replicators and you had to dive into submerged, these submerged rooms. Oh. I was like... Is he, I mean, and it looked like, I mean, you were swimming in these, I don't know, these eight-foot, you know, rooms with full of water, and you, yeah. know, you had to hold your breath for a long period I of time. I think they were glass vats that um, had been, I think we constructed those around, thank you, um, around, you might have been on, um, on the campus of uh, one of the colleges, okay. or one of the science um divisions had uh, equipment like that so we built a set around these big tanks that uh, we could you know sink a set that looked like it was a spaceship or whatever it crashed and I could swim in there it was fun I love that stuff the only thing I don't like about you know that kind of situation is a real life fear I have of being trapped underwater or like breaking through ice and not being able to mm-hmm. being able to see the outside and not get out or getting trapped with you know basically no way out but 
there was no fear of that happening in this situation because I, I had exits that I could take. And, um, but uh, yeah, it wasn't that taxing. I mean, I, I um, my parents uh, told me long ago that I could swim before I could walk. Mm -hmm. My dad had just thrown me in a pool at one point to see what happened. He said I had the right instincts. I mean, my arms and legs were going a mile a minute, but I still sank like a stone. <laughs> so, um, no, but that was fun. I'd, I'd totally forgotten about that. I just, that's a very effectively shot scene. I mean, just, I mean, those fears you talk about, I had those similar fears. Yeah. I mean, so just, I'm sure it brought up a lot of viewers' fears of you doing all that. I just, but it was, it was great. It was fantastically. Oh, thank you. know what's perfect. weird about that, though, I realized in watching the footage was that, um, you know, there comes a point where um, Jack where, where, um, swims up to a underwater to a point and then kind of scans or looks for something. And then I think he spots something kind of. First of all, you know what your vision is like underwater, right? Sure. Well, not only was that credibility kind of you know, undermined the credibility of the whole uh, situation, but also my uh, my facial expression and my eye movement was such that, I mean, nobody does a double take underwater to look <laughs> at something. I mean, you scan and you see and you go or whatever, but you don't sit there and act. And that's, I just so, so was embarrassed <laughs> for that moment alone. I just, I busted myself <laughs> so I thought McKay was just annoying you no it's just I, I mean when you're underwater do you do you react to things and like grimace and just oh no absolutely. try and figure things out it no, kind of all happens yeah. while you're but you know you got to tell a story on absolutely. screen so stop hit your mark underwater <laughs> and then look around yeah yeah, I just have to suspend your belief, but it, it still it still looked fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually had a good time. And was Robert Picardo? Was he my cohort yeah. in that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Love him and love working with him. So it was a great episode for me all around. But you know, I it was short lived with my time on Atlantis. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, when you ask the question, you're you're referencing Stargate and. You know, it was more ominous working on MacGyver. Not ominous, that's the wrong word, but treacherous, I guess. Because, first of all, I was younger. I was, well, I want to say more confident, but cocky, I guess, is a more realistic assessment of my personality at the time. But I could do all those things, and uh, I did. Mm -hmm. And today, of course, I... I've had uh, back surgery, three knee surgeries, uh, four foot surgery, toe surgeries, foot, um, three broken fingers, all from um, that show. So MacGyver contributed to your bodily injuries. <laughs> yeah, in great part. Great. I mean, I, I have to admit that my my attempt to play hockey as a as a kid and thinking that that was going to be my my life's calling. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of created havoc with two broken arms and uh, concussion and all kinds of things. So, I think I can count on one hand how many episodes MacGyver didn't get blown up in. I mean, the, the <laughs> physicality behind that show, we could spend hours talking about. It was fun. 
and it really was because because I was young enough to be able to pull it off. I mean, I wasn't a, a is it spring chicken? Is that the so. cliche? <laughs> yeah. But uh, certainly not as old and fat as I am today. It was amazing. I, oh, thanks. We've, I just introduced the MacGyver shows to my nephews who are nine, mm-hmm. and they're mad about it now. They love it. Really? They've watched all of Stargate, and then when they said, they looked, and they, oh, that's Tim O'Neill. No, that's MacGyver. We showed you in the wrong How old order. are they? They're nine. Great age for that stuff. They're crazy about it. They play MacGyver in the backyard. <laughs> Great. I love hearing that. And how many of us say we're going to come with a creative solution, we're, we're going to MacGyver something, so it's now a... Yeah, you know, we tried to get, or not we, the uh, uh, Paramount people and uh, some of our production staff tried to approach the Webster Dictionary people, <laughs> and uh, this is long, long ago, but we tried to get um, MacGyverism or some... You know, variation of MacGyver. Yeah. It's a verb. As a, yeah, but they they had just closed the, uh, the, I don't know what the process was, but um, we missed it by two weeks. So. I'm sure we could start a new campaign. No, please. (laughs) (laughs) It'll still live on. Although Stargate series was fictional, I, I thought it did a great job of paying respect to the military, so much so that the Air Force uh, made you an honorary brigadier general. That had to be very gratifying and humbling at the same time. Absolutely. It's probably one of the... In fact, um, I, I really didn't... It didn't. I didn't comprehend how much it was uh, ultimately going to mean to me until I was standing on stage and General Jumper handed me this star. This, and this like real award and I was just floored by the in I mean personally it was just the magnitude of that event was huge because I've just you know I've always had uh, they were great with us I mean they great um, consultants and we just kind of help we support them and show them in as good a light as we could and we're respectful of the the rules and regulations, sort of why MacGyver, why uh, Jack and Samantha never really consummated, let's put it that way. (laughs) Because there's, you know, things like tailhook was floating around and it never really occurred to us to break that uh, sanctity of that. Did cross that line. Right. Except in uh, a different, a parallel universe or... Mm -hmm. Some episode where you can be assured that fan fiction has taken it. Though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we know we have to get going, and but I know um, one of the big things that we like to make sure that everyone gets to talk about are their favorite charitable organizations. And is there a group that you're working with that you'd like us to help uh, to help? Sure, for the promote. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I've been working and have been on first the the board of directors and now the board of advisors and trustees. Uh, for the Sea Shepherd Conservation Society, um, and I've been uh, un- under the the leadership of Captain Paul Watson. And we've, uh, in in short, it's 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 an organization that's been around since uh, the mid '80s. Paul Watson has uh, helped co-create uh, Greenpeace, 
it fell out of favor with them, kind of moved on to create uh, Sea Shepherd because uh, it wasn't really, uh, Greenpeace wasn't really, um, wasn't really proactive, wasn't confrontational, it didn't really take any kind of direct action other than, you know, um, protest and signs and paintballs and things like that, which has its place. But Captain Watson um, would actually, with his ship, he's, a, he's an excellent, excellent, obviously, um, sailor. But he, uh, you know, he would, some of our t-shirts say, uh, it has a list of, of confrontational moments that uh, he's had and one of them it says have rammed and there's like several uh, that's great yeah rammed ships uh, sunk there's a couple of things that get sunk uh, in harbor so no never hurt um, a human being in all the activities but it's I'm really honored to be a part of that for one thing I'm, I'm from Minnesota and um, so I grew up around water or in water basically and um, at the time when I um, met Captain Watson, he, uh, I was also working for the Riverkeeper um, um, organization. So I realized that all my charities were born of water. And um, but anyway, I, I saw Paul Watson speak in Alaska. You know, we were I was working for um, oh I, I don't know it was like a promotional event type oriented thing that raised money for any particular uh, charity but he was uh, the recipient one year of um, of our activities and um, I got to see him speak and was so impressed and so emotionally slapped across the heart that uh, that I just you know I introduced myself and we became friends to um, to the point where he asked me to be on the board of directors and I accepted very humbly because I, I don't even know what that meant, but um, anything I could do to help the cause. But it's uh, it's all it's we're expanding now a little bit. Some of the campaigns are taking us more uh, some of them on land, but primarily it's marine life, um, habitat, uh, marine habitat habitats, and just taking the abusers of our our oceans um, and the animals within taking the task and you know um, exposing them or just telling them to get lost I mean we've gotten to the point where the Japanese whaling industry is has been our target in um, Antarctica and the southern oceans down there and we've been fairly successful in um, uh, affecting their quotas and um, um, well I, I would highly suggest that, that I could mumble on and on about this but going online and familiarizing yourself with Sea Shepherd Conservation Society yeah please um, it's uh, I mean it's it's a special well Paul is a self-described uh, pirate but He's a good pirate, <laughs> so I've um, I'll stay with him until you know forever. Let's put it that way. That's fantastic.
fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. We know that Please. with the fans and everything, we didn't want to take up too much of your time, but thanks for giving us a couple of minutes. We really appreciate it. You're so it. easy, so friendly. You're so friendly. No, you're, so you're just down to earth. You're, you're, you're cool. I'm pretty sure the real one is located in some secret chamber in Ross Pyramid and Abydos, but I'm not sure where exactly. According to legend, there were six eyes, including those held by Apophis, Osiris, and Tiamat, among others, each as powerful on its own. But if you use them in combination, it increases that power tenfold. Recently, Anubis managed to track down five of the six eyes and only needs Ross to complete the set. He's looked everywhere Ra used to hang out except Abydos. Now he's on his way there. I was sure that was an aspirin I took this morning. Jack, it's really me. It's me. You have to help. You have to find the Eye of Ra before Anubis does. I mean, keep it, hide it, destroy it, whatever. It doesn't matter. We don't have much time. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? Long time. How are things in the higher planes? Hey, Jack. Long time no see. How, how, how you doing? Fine. Just fine. The knees, the back, everything's Oh, you know, kind of weather contingent, actually. Right, 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 right. right. Is that, what's the name? Um, actually, a funny thing happened to me today. Um... I'm riding an elevator and an old friend of mine, someone who never calls, never writes, just shows up and tells me all about this very important and apparently urgent mission that needs my attention. You gonna help or...? or... No, wait, wait, let me, let me tell it. It's good. You see, this, this buddy of mine, this pal, this chum, has ascended to a whole new level of existence. Do you see the irony? He's asking for my help and he's this great and powerful being. Jack, we've already been through this. I can't actually do anything. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, the service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343 or Click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash scifidiner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com <laughs>